Well, good morning, everybody. I hope you are doing well. We have one more week until we're going to try to come back together. Um, and so that's exciting. That's good. Um, I would invite you, we'll probably put something else out um, on Facebook, but I would invite you to share that on Facebook the next week. Hey, Eudora Baptist Church coming back together. The plan right now is to be um, do it outside. So I'll be praying for good weather. Uh, be praying that um, God would bless us in that way. Uh, be praying that um, people will come. Be praying that um, all the things we normally pray, that people will be saved, that people would come come to the Lord. And so bring your lawn chairs. Um, it's going to be good. It's going to be exciting. And so um, looking forward to that, it, it feels like it's been forever. So um, you can tell I have a different angle on the camera this time. Um, you just never know when I'm going to record these. Uh, last time, I think it was like 1230 at night <laughs> that I recorded it. And so the stained glass behind me was dark tonight. It's about sunset. And so it looks um, really, really bright back there. <laughs> so I thought I'd give you a different angle, not, not blind you. But um, this should be the last time that, that we do this. If you're still uncomfortable coming um, next Sunday, totally understand that. I want you to be healthy and safe and um, we're going we're gonna to try to, I'm just going to take my iPad outside, and it'll be outside, so that's the best we can do, but try to kind of do it um, live stream outside uh, on Facebook, and so we'll, we'll do our best with that, no promises, but we'll try to do that, and then probably upload a recording of this service um, either later that day or maybe the next, early in the week, and so totally understand if you're still, you know, kind of feeling this thing out and having some um, some questions about if you should come or not. Totally understand if you want to come and wear a mask and those kind of things. You are you are absolutely welcome, um, and so that'll that'll be great. But looking forward to it. So, one more thing before we get started. <laughs> I don't know how many of you noticed, but I have worn this shirt, this blue one here. I believe every time that we've done a service that I've preached. It started off that it just happened to, to happen, like a couple Sundays in a row, um, but it's my favorite shirt, <laughs> so I just kept wearing it, and I, I really haven't had anybody say anything yet, so if you didn't notice, maybe you need to be more observant, I don't know, <laughs> and I'll probably wear it next Sunday too, just because, but anyway, just, I don't know, made myself laugh with that, I guess, but so we're going to talk today, um, we're going to talk through Philippians 4, uh, verses 1 through 9. Um, amazing verses, awesome verses. I feel like today it's, it's jam-packed a little bit, and so I may, I may push through pretty quick, um, but it's, I feel like it's jam-packed with things that could change your life if you'll take them to heart, that could, could change the way that you approach things, could change your attitude about things. Um, some, some very, very heavy-hitting kind of things that, that really, really matter, that are really, really important uh, and so I know it's online and you're, you know, you're, you're watching it this way, but I hope you'll try your best to pay attention um, because these are things that really, really matter. And so we'll look, um, go to Philippians 4, um, and we'll, we'll try to do 1 through 9 and we'll see how it goes. But um, the title today is They Are Not the Lord, and I'm going to point out <clears throat> a couple of different things that when we compare them to the Lord, they're not even close. And, and we need to remind ourselves, like, that's not the Lord. That's not nearly as powerful or as strong as He is. 
And so that's, it's a weird title, they are not the Lord. I'm not talking about a person, I'm talking about some things in our lives that we need to compare them to the power of the Lord and just recognize, man, that is not the Lord. The Lord is so much stronger and, and more powerful than that. So, um, we'll, we'll get into this. Uh, Philippians 4, starting in verse 1. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Yodia, Iodia, and I entreat Synchthi, I don't know, to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Lord God, I thank you for the chance to come together and study your word. Um, Lord God, I thank you for the perseverance of our church. Um, I thank you for a church that has been a blessing to me in these times. They've not been complainers. They've not been grumblers. Um, Lord God, and, and I'm, I'm so grateful for that. Lord God, I know it's not that way in every church, and so I thank you for that. Lord God, I thank you that you let me, a very, very imperfect person, um, teach others about your word. I pray that I would be able to do that faithfully today, um, that I would say what you want and nothing more, nothing less, and that you will bless this time. Thank you for your word, Lord. You are awesome and good and right, and we love you, God. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So verse number, number one, sometimes we skip over verses like this pretty quick. It says, therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, and crown stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Um, I, I want to I take some time on this verse, actually. In, it, at the start of it, the very first word, he says, therefore, which means what he has just said leads to what he's about to say, right? He says, therefore, because of what I've just said, you can do these things, and this is what you should do, right? And so let's look back at what he just said in, in chapter 3. He says, but our, verse 20, 320, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Because of Philippians 3, who we are, our eternal promise that, that we have in him, eternal life, he's coming for us. Um, and because of his power, he says we should stand firm in the Lord, right? The end of this, this uh, verse here. Therefore, because of what I've just said, my brothers whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord. We're supposed to stand firm in the Lord because of who he is, because of what he's done, because of the promises that he's made to us that we just read. Our citizenship is in heaven. That's who we are. We're citizens of heaven. So therefore... We can stand firm in the Lord, right? And we, we have a Savior. Therefore, we can stand firm in the Lord. He's going to transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body in the future. 
Therefore, we can stand firm in the Lord by the power that enables him even to subject uh, all things to himself. Because of his power, therefore, we can stand firm in the Lord. And I think that's, that's port- important. And I like how he says, and we're feeling this now, therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for. I, I know a lot of us are, we, we love the people of this church and we're longing to see them. We love them and we're longing to see them. And so I think that, that we're feeling that now. Um, and to me, it, it was a reminder, I think, for myself and for, probably for a lot of us that we, f- we forget what we have until it's taken away, right? That old, that old classic phrase, you don't know what you have till it's gone. And we've felt some of that. Um, but, but I think that should maybe just lead us to, to try harder to be grateful for what we have, to not forget what we have when we're in the midst of it, to not have to have something taken away from us meeting together and seeing each other and hugging on each other, to not have to have that taken away before we're grateful for it. And so he loves and long for his, longs for his brethren. And I like that, but I, and I know I've said this many times, this idea of, of brethren, of, of us being brothers and sisters in Christ, it's a relationship like no other. It's a, a stronger bond, honestly, than you can have really in any other way. Um, it's based on the foundation of Jesus Christ, and so that's what makes it stronger than anything. Um, this is special to have brothers and sisters in Christ. is very special. People are longing and looking for that kind of relationship. They're longing and looking for that closeness based on uh, similar traits, and you see this in different ways. Ours is based on Again, the foundation of Jesus Christ. But people are looking for this. They're looking for that connectiveness, right? This special bond with others. And I'm so glad that we have it. Just look at the different groups that people try to connect with. And you'll see that people are actually searching for this. They don't necessarily know it, but it's something inside of us where we're we're searching for that bond. Um, Sometimes people work it out in these different ways. They, They try to find it in their work family. And they, they throw themselves into work, and the people at work, and, and they've got this bond. And, and I'm not even really saying anything wrong or bad about these things. I'm just saying that even the bond of work or working together is not as strong as the bond that we have as brethren. You see it in sports teams, either people playing or people cheering. Like, are you a fan of the Chiefs? Yeah, fan of the Chiefs, yeah. You know, and, and it's all this automatic bond already because they're fans of the same team. We're looking for this this bond, this connectiveness. Um, I said you see it in uh, sometimes people in their Sunday foursome, people they go and play golf with. They're looking for this bond um, sometimes. Uh, you see it in gangs. <laughs> that got pretty negative pretty fast. And we went from playing golf on Sundays to gangs, which I understand. But, but the point remains, a lot of times that's why people um, throw themselves into a gang. They're looking for a connection. They're looking for a family to connect to, and so even in that, that situation, you see it in online communities now, okay, whether it's gaming communities or um, blogs or whatever else, you see people trying to connect, and they're trying to, to have a bond with people, um, and these aren't bad, except for the gangs, right, these, these aren't bad, nothing wrong with them, I'm not talking bad about them, I'm just trying to remind us that they're not the same as the bond that we have in Jesus, it is different it is more special, it is more powerful, it can overcome, or should overcome more things when we're walking with Christ. Um, it, it is special, okay? And I'm glad to have that bond 
of, of brothers and sisters with you all. We're different, like we've said before. You're, you're very different than me. I'm very different than you. Every one of us is different. Um, but we have this bond that can bring us together, and it's based on the foundation of Jesus. Okay? So still in verse 1, I know you're thinking we're going to be here for two hours. We're not. Um, but he says in verse 1, um, Stand firm thus in the Lord. Stand firm. So you are trying to stand firm in something. You are relying on something to help you through this life, right? You are doing that. Whether you know it or not, you are doing that. You're standing on something. It just, the question is, is what you're standing on a solid rock, the foundation that we, we believe is true from the Word of God, or is it something else? Here's a question to help you figure that out. When this thing started, or maybe, maybe you started feeling uh, stress from this pan- pandemic, um, where did you turn first? What, what did you do first when you started feeling that? And maybe started feeling stress or worry or anxiety, and we'll talk about that in a second. But where did you turn first? Because that will tell you kind of what you're standing on. That will tell you what you're relying on to help you get through this life and, and do it well. Where did you turn first um, during this? You are standing on something. So where did you turn? Was it to your family first? Was it to friends? Was it to the news? Was it to the president? Uh, Was it to the experts? Where did you turn first? I'm not talking bad about any of those, just like I wasn't talking bad about those other groups we talked about. But they can't be what we're standing on. They can't be our foundation. All of those things are, are shaky at times, for sure. And, and some, sometimes the things we stand on are, are even like misleading and, and more than shaky. And so I, I just want to remind us, he's, ta- he's encouraging them, stand firm thus in the Lord, right? Stand firm in the Lord. None of those are bad, but they are not the Lord. The title of this, this sermon, they are not the Lord. All these things that maybe sometimes we rely on, um, where we turn first, they're not the Lord, okay? They're not your Savior and your King, so he says, stand firm in the Lord. That's where we should stand. And I looked up, I looked up a number of words, just kind of the definitions, the kind of Greek definitions for these words, the original Greek words and what they meant. And firm, part of that means to be stationary. It means I am, I am stuck uh, in this place. I am standing in this place and I'm not moving. I'm stationary. This is my foundation this is where I'm going to stand. And so to stand firm means I'm staying there. I'm stationary. It should be a reminder for us that, that the Lord should always be our rock, should always be our foundation. He should always be where we're standing, who He is and His Word, what He tells us in His Word. We can stand there. We're stationary there. We're not moving from that place because we know it's what matters most. We know it, it is the foundation that will not crumble. Okay? So stand firm in, the word in is like a relation of rest. You rest in these things. You find your rest in these things. And so he's telling us to stand firm, be stationary uh, in a relation of rest. And so Paul's encouraged them, encouraging them in that way. Be, be stationary in the rest that the Lord provides. 
Stay right there. Don't waver from the Lord. Don't get away from Him. Don't think that there's a better foundation. Don't think that there's something more secure or better that you can turn to. Stay stationary in the rest that the Lord provides. Stand firm in the Lord. Okay, that's what we should do as Christians. He should be where we go to find rest when life shakes us because He is unshakable. Everything else, no matter how good we may think they are, they, they don't, um, they change, they don't last, they, they are shakable, but our Lord and Savior is unshakable. If you trust Him, you'll give Him your whole being. If we really trust Him, if we say, I trust who He is, I trust that He is the God of the Bible, who is right about everything, who is faithful to me, who loves me, I trust who He is, so I will give him everything, my whole being, my heart, my soul, my mind, my worries, my thoughts. I will give them to the Lord because I trust him. I trust him. If you find that you're not doing that, there, there's an issue there. Something needs to change. Okay, and we'll talk a little more about that as we go along. So verse 2, that was verse 1. He's talking to these two women in the church, and he says, like I said, these two women, because I don't want to try to say their names again, um, but he, he wants them to agree in the Lord. And so most people think there was some sort of a disagreement. And these were people that you can see, um, verse 3, uh, help them because they labored side by side with me. They had worked with Paul, but there's some friction going on with them. And so he tells them to agree in the Lord. And so he's, he's kind of like saying, hey, figure it out while remembering what matters. Agree in the Lord. Okay, agree in the Lord. If we put disagreements in their proper perspective in terms of importance, right? If we, if we look, we compare a disagreement that we may have with somebody else in the church, and we look at who God is and, and the mission that he's called us to, to love him, to um, love others, to make disciples, and, and this is the mission, and we look at the disagreement, they're not even going to compare most of the time. The disagreement all of a sudden looks really, really small, when you put it in perspective to what our mission is as Christians, okay? Well, likely, when we do that, when we put it into perspective, we're, we're going to be more willing to compromise, work together, to love anyway, to realize and say, you know what? It's not even really worth fighting about. It's not, it's not vital to the mission, so we can kind of let it go in some ways, okay? Agree in the Lord. Those disagreements are not the Lord. And his ways. So again, they are not the Lord. The title of this, those disagreements, compare them to who he is and what he's called us to. You can't even compare them. They are not the Lord. They're not the awesomeness of being brothers and sisters in Christ. And like I said, they're not nearly as important as the mission of the gospel. And we've got to remember that. We've got to keep things in their proper perspective. Okay? So verse 4, let's skip down to there. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always, again, I will say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. I like this quote from Spurgeon. He says, What a gracious God we serve, who makes delight to be a duty, and who commands us to rejoice. You realize that? It, this, is, this is a commandment from the Lord. Hey, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And so I like that. What a gracious God we serve, who makes delight um, to be a duty, and who commands us to rejoice. I looked up that word rejoice as well to see kind of what it was getting at. And it means calmly happy. 
calmly happy. There's a calm, there's a peace about you, and you're, you're rejoicing, and it's based on the Lord. It's based on the Lord. So here's a, maybe a hard question for you. Have you been doing much rejoicing during this last three months or whatever? Have you been doing much rejoicing, or has it been more complaining or more worrying? See the difference? Like, which have you been doing personally? Has it been rejoicing in the Lord? Because he says always, right? So, always even during a pandemic, always even during weird times, um, always even when life is hard, have you been rejoicing over this past time or not? The coronavirus is not this. The coronavirus is not the Lord. Compare the two. There's no comparison. They, they don't even compare. It doesn't compare to what you have in Christ. And so if you can look back over the last few months and you can say, you know what? I've probably been doing more worrying or complaining or being more upset than I have been rejoicing. Then you've got to ask yourself that question. Why is that? Why is it? Is your focus maybe in the wrong place? Are you forgetting who the Lord is? Are you forgetting these eternal blessings He's given you that will not change even during a pandemic? These are the hard questions that I'm asking you, asking myself. Because, you know, I think I'll say this in a second, but this is a really good barometer for where you're at. Going through something like this is a good, a really good time to reflect. Where am I at? Am I walking with the Lord? Am I walking in the Spirit? Am I rejoicing? Or am I doing more complaining and worrying and things like that? Again, th this coronavirus, this pandemic has some, some nasty consequences to it, but it does not compare to the Lord and who He is and what He's done for, for us. Put it, put it in perspective again. We're, I feel like that's what we're doing a lot in this, this sermon is let's put things in perspective because when we do that, we will rejoice. We will have a lack of, of worry. Okay, So maybe there's some specific things that you're worrying about during this pandemic. Let's hit some of those. Maybe you're worried about death. Maybe you're worried, I'll get it and I'll die. And God has said, as a Christian, you'll go to heaven, <laughs> right? And so again, just comparing the things that God has said to us, who he is, what we get from him, um, to, to maybe the worry, I think can help us put them in perspective. Worried about death, you go to heaven. You're worried about trials. This is hard. This is, this is a struggle. I'm, I'm, I'm focused on those trials. What does he say? He says, count it all joy. Right, let's read that verse. Count it all joy, James 1, James 1, 2 through 4. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. He says, count it joy when you're in, in trials, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect or mature and complete, lacking in nothing. So trials can lead to some really, really good benefits, right? And so where has your focus been, okay? When things are in proper perspective in your life, with trusting in who God is and what He's done for you, when you put that at the top, that's the hierarchy of, of things in your life, and you're putting who God is and what He's done for you at the top, you're able to deal with these things without the weight of those things crushing you because you know you've got these things established that are set in your life that aren't going anywhere. These blessings from the Lord 
and, and who he is and him saying he's never leaving you as a Christian. So again, let's put these things in perspective. Because if you do, you can truly rejoice always. Because he's always there. The things he's done for us are always there. He's eternal. The things that, that he's given to us, eternal life being one at the top of the list, they're eternal. They're lasting. They're not going anywhere. Our salvation is not going anywhere. And so we, we put them in perspective. And when you do, you can truly re rejoice. There's something out of order in your life if you've not been able to rejoice over these last three months. And I'm not being harsh with that. And I'm not saying that I'm perfect or done this perfectly. But we've got to be honest with ourselves. If I've not been able to rejoice over these past three months because of this thing, or because of anything, maybe there's something else going on in your life. If it has stolen your joy, and you've not been able to rejoice in the Lord, there's something out of, out of order, out of whack. If your trials are overwhelming, perhaps your understanding of God and who He is is too small. Or if things have overwhelmed you, perhaps your understanding of who you are in Christ is limited. Or if things have over, been overwhelming you, perhaps your understanding of the blessings that He's given you is limited. And so it's just, again, this is, when I was thinking about this sermon, this is a great time for us as Christians to look back over these last few months and to, to be like, how did I handle this? What, what did it look like for me, if I'm being honest about it? What did it look like? Was I rejoicing? Was I worrying doing these other things? What was it like? And it's a great time to, to look into that and to understand that we all can grow. We all have room to grow. And, and this is a good time to check in on that. Verse 5, excuse me, he says, Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Your reasonableness, this word is a Greek word that you can read up there that I'm not going to say, but is a very extensive signification. Signi signification? Sig signification. That sounds wrong. I don't know. It's really, really important, this word. It means the same as this other Greek word, which means mildness, patience, yieldingness, I'd never heard that word before, yieldingness, like a willingness to yield, gentleness, clemency, moderation, unwillingness to litigate or contend. So your reasonableness, or some versions do say mildness, um, moderation, it, it's, a, it's, it's mild, it's patient, it's someone who is Willing to yield. You don't have to always be right. You don't have to always fight, right? You can yield. You're gentle, one of the fruits of the Spirit. Reasonableness. And so he says, let this be known to all, all men. Let your reasonableness, your mildness, gentleness, willingness to yield be known to all men. Okay? Does this define you in person? When you're, when you're talking with people face to face, would this be something that defines you? Because it should be, as Christians, right? He's calling us to it. Does this define you in person? Another, perhaps even harder question for some of us. <clears throat> Does this define you online? Does this define you on Facebook? Does this define you on Twitter or Instagram or anywhere else? Does this define who you are? Reasonableness, mildness, gentleness, a willingness to yield, does this define you? That's a hard question, because sometimes we get on online or on Facebook or something, and we, we're clickety-clacking, nobody can see us, and we're not gentle, we're not kind, and I don't believe God's okay with that. 
I don't think he says be um, reasonable, have reasonableness, mildness, only when you're face-to-face, but if you can't see, you don't worry about it. I don't think he says that. And so another hard question for you and for me, okay? And he says to everyone, let everyone know it, right? Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. We don't get to change the definition of everyone. We don't get to say, I'll be reasonable and mild and, and gentle to people who are reasonable and mild and gentle to me. That's not what he says. We don't get to do that with a lot of things that we talk about in the Word. When he says everyone, when he says all, when he says at all times, that's what he means. There's no outs, there's no scapegoats, and we've got we've to realize that. He is the Lord, after all. And as Christians, we're saying he is my Lord, which means he is my boss. He gets to define who I am and tell me what to do. And here he says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Oh man, this, this verse is, is huge. A lot of you know it. <clears throat> verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Your anxieties are not the Lord. Let's put them in perspective. These things that you're worrying about, they cannot compare to who the Lord is, His power and what He's done for you. Your anxieties are not the Lord. Okay? When we worry, I was trying to think through worry, and I've, I've confessed to you before, especially younger years, I, I was definitely, would have definitely been defined as a worrier. When we worry, it's a what-if game. Right? Like, that's, that's what it is. What if this happens? Well, what if that happens? Okay, but what if this, ha- what if, what if, what if, right? It's, it's a what if game. And I just want to tell you, every one of those answers to your what if questions can be found in the Lord. Every one of them. We can look to the Lord. We stand firm. Go back to the start of this chapter. We stand firm in the Lord. Every one of those answers to the what if questions can be found in the Lord. Give you some examples. What if I die? Well, the Lord promises heaven. What if I get coronavirus? Well, the Lord will never leave you. He'll walk, walk through you with that. What if I'm brokenhearted? Well, Psalm 34, 18 says, the Lord is near the brokenhearted. And these are just a few examples. Like Every what-if question, we should, we should turn it around and say, well, how does the Lord answer that what-if question? How does He answer that? And find rest and find peace and stay stationary in our trust of the Lord. Every what-if question has a God answer to it, okay? Has a Bible answer to it that we can go to and we can rely on and, and seek. What if you trusted Him explicitly with everything? There's a what if for you. What if you trusted Him wholeheartedly with everything? Imagine the peace that that could bring, right? If, if you trusted Him with everything, okay? So He says, do not be anxious, and then what I love about this is he gives us an, an alternative. He gives us an alternate plan, which I know we've talked about before, but it's worth talking about any time. He, he says, don't be anxious, but instead do this, right? He says, don't, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. You go and you request things of him. You say, God, I don't want it. If you're worried about the coronavirus, Lord, I don't want to get the coronavirus. It's my request 
that I wouldn't get it. It's my request that my family wouldn't get it. And I have thankfulness in my heart for who you are, though. And I trust you. And, but that's my request. And he says we can do that, and that's okay. And then our job is to leave it there. And let him deal with it. Let him deal with it. He says, don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. And peace will guard you. That's, that's the plan in a nutshell. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. I should have put with thanksgiving. And peace will guard you. Okay? And, you know, I, you can say that I don't understand that you're worried or that I don't, I don't get it. And I may not fully. I may, I may not understand it fully. I will say that I, I've, I was a, have been a worrier in life and worried myself sick and, and can remember, remember times of just, you know, crying for hours worrying about something younger. Um, and so I may understand it more than you think, but I may not fully understand it. Um, but he understands better than you do your situation. He understands it better than you do. So just give it to him. L- l- stop clinging to that worry so tight that it's just driving you crazy, making you sick. Just give it to him. He's given you the pattern here to follow. You may have to do that numerous times, but keep doing it. Keep following what he says. And he says you'll get peace. Right? Verse 7, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I looked up that word as well. Peace, the Greek word for peace, it's quietness, it's rest, it's set at one again. Quietness, rest, things being set at one, set at one again. And doesn't that sound nice? And that's what he's offering. And, he, and he's just told us, and say, this is how you do it. Let me know. Make your request known to me. And then we don't, it, it's up to him, right? And we trust him with that request, what he does with it, because he knows more than we do. And that's all we have to do. That's all we have to do is with thanksgiving in our heart, make our request known to him. And, and we trust and we, we stand firm in the Lord. Okay? In verse 8, he says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So think about these things. So we go from worries, which would not make this list, and the criteria he gives us on this list, we go from thinking about worries to him saying, think about these things that are lovely and good and honorable on all this list, right? It's a, it's a juxtaposition between the two. And so I just want to remind us that the, uh, there was a book out, um, The Battlefield is in Your Mind. That's where our, our war is waged, really, is, is personally, is in our minds. And, and there is a battle going on there. And I want you to know that you can control your thoughts. You can't. You may not be able to control immediately or all the time what pops into your head. Okay? But when it pops in there, you, you can do something about it. You don't have to let it just continue to rattle around in there. All right? You can control your thoughts. And, it, it, and you, you may not believe me, but, but you can. And it may be a lot of work. It may be a lot of retraining your brain to say, no, I'm not going to think about that. I'm not going to worry about that. I'm going to the Lord. I'm running to the Lord. I'm standing firm in the Lord. But you can. You can control your thoughts. In 2 Corinthians 10, 5 talks about that. It says, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. That last part, we take every thought captive 
to obey Christ. So just imagine this with me. Imagine taking your thoughts, whatever it is, I'm going to take this thought, and I'm going to take it to Jesus. And I'm going to say, Jesus, is this thought from you? Is this something from you, this thought? And, and if he says no, then it no longer has freedom to roam around your brain. Right? You, you're, you're taking it captive. If it's not his truth, if it's not from him, then it no longer has freedom to roam around your, your brain. You take it captive as many times as you need to and say, Jesus, here it is again, and I want to give this to you, this captive thought. Please help me with it. But I just don't want you thinking that you have no control over what goes on in your brain. You do. You, you can meditate on Scripture, right? Our brains are filled with something basically all the time, and it can either be good or bad. It can either be worries, or it can be things that are pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, pray, uh, worthy of praise. Those, those are our choices, and we do have a choice in what we're thinking about. Verse 9. What you have seen, sorry, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. It, this was is a bold statement from Paul. Honestly, he's saying the things that I've taught you, the things that I've said, the things that I've that I've given to you, and the things that you've seen me do, do do, do likewise. Be like me is kind of what he's saying. Okay? Practice these things. So it's an example for us as Christians. We should strive to be people who we are consistent in what we say and what we do. We're consistent in what we say and what we do, right? We're consistent in, you know, you have this, this man who was killed, um, last name Floyd, I'm forgetting his first name, but, but was killed um, and... and Say what you want to about it. I, I don't know, but it reminds me of how despicable that racism is. It reminds me that as Christians, we can't just sit back and just, just act like it's nothing. It doesn't matter. Um, all people are created in the image of the Lord. Okay, And so we can't say as Christians, well, we love everybody. And then there, if you have a certain group in your mind or in your heart that that's just not true about, that's not a consistency in yourself. It's not a consistency with the word of the Lord. Okay? Um, I've said it, I think it was not long ago, but racism is ridiculous. It is, it is unchristian. It is wrong in every way. Okay? And so we need to be people who are consistent in our speech and in our action. Okay? So I want to summarize. I don't, I don't often do this. I should do this more often, but I want to summarize kind of where we've been and what we've talked about today. Okay? So if you haven't listened yet, <laughs> listen now. And if somebody asks you what was the sermon about, maybe you'll have an answer, right? But to summarize, we, we love and long for each other as brethren, and these are relationships that you can get nowhere else, okay? As he started off in verse 1. It says, stand form. It's supposed to say, stand firm in the Lord. Be stationary in the rest the Lord provides. He is unshakable, as we talked about. He talked about in this, these verses, agree in the Lord. Most disagreements are simply not worth it in light of what truly matters. So let's, let's remember that. He told us in these verses to rejoice always. Use these weird times as a barometer to see if your trust is truly in the Lord. Don't waste this time. 
We talked about not wasting suffering before. Don't waste these trials. Use them as a barometer to see if your trust is in the Lord. If it is, you'll still be rejoicing or calmly happy in this time. Be reasonable, verse 5 said, which is mild, patient, gentle, in person and online. Do not be anxious. Your anxieties cannot compare to the Lord, His power, His love, His presence, His blessings. They can't compare. Do not be anxious. Instead, use His alternate plan of coming to Him with thanksgiving and making our requests known to Him. Okay? Engage in the fight in your mind. Engage in it. Don't just let every thought wander around in your head and continue to repeat. Take it captive. Take it to the Lord and see if it's from Him or not. Okay? Strive to be a consistent example for others as this last verse has shown us and, and, and Paul gave the example of uh, not only in what you say, but in what you do. Let's be examples of others. So as, as most sermons, I want to end with this verse just in case there's somebody listening who doesn't know the Lord. These things that I've been ta- saying and talking to you about, these awesome, wonderful blessings we can get from the Lord, this, this totally different way of living our life free of anxiety, free of worry, on a foundation that's solid. Um, This is open to anyone and everyone. And if you're not a Christian, you don't have it yet, but the invitation is there, okay? And because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. He is the Lord. Confess with your mouth. He's your boss. He, He has control of your life. And believe in your heart God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. All right, so I get to say this today. I will see a lot of you with my own little eyes next week, and that, that's a blessing. And so, again, let's pray for good weather. Um, come ready to worship and sing. We're going to have to sing extra loud. It's going to be outside, so the walls won't be bouncing the sound back to us. So come ready to, to worship and praise the Lord and study the Word together and just be back together. So have a great week. Love you all. See you later.